What attitude will we have as we face this new year? And primarily this. Do we right now, and I'm hoping by the end of the service if, that, that we'll all have a, what I'm going to talk about, do we right now have a positive attitude full of expectancy going into 2024, or do we have a negative view and we're discouraged as we look at that calendar, that blank calendar going into 2024? That's what I want us to think about today. How are we looking at 2024, 2024? What is our approach to 2024? Are we filled with anticipation or are we filled with fear and dread? And I would tend to say this. This is my opinion. It is more important to think of how we're going to approach 2024 than what we're going to do in 2024. And to consider this, how we're going to look at it, our view towards it, our attitude towards it, what I want to do is I want to look at another group of people from Scripture who are in a similar situation to ours. They were getting ready to enter into a new season of life, and um, God had some very important things to say to them as they got ready to enter into a brand new season of life. And I'm referring to the nation of Israel as they stood on the banks of the Jordan River after wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, and they are getting ready to step into a brand new season and they had really very little idea about what was going to happen to them as they went into that new season. They did not know what they were going to encounter. They did really not know where they were going to go. They didn't know what they were going to face. There was a lot of uncertainty for them as they looked ahead. There probably was a lot of concern. Because remember something. Remember who these people are. These are the, the, the same nation, although a lot of them had died off, the same people that 40 years earlier, Moses had stood there on the banks of the Jordan and sent 12 spies across into the what would become the promised land. And they went out and they searched out the land and they came back and they gave a report to Moses and all the people. And 10 of the spies said this. They said, the land is filled with giants. It's, it's unconquerable. Two of them came back and said, hey, they're huge, but with God we can do anything. And the people listened to the ten, and because they listened to the ten, they said, we're afraid to go in. They wandered around the wilderness for people for for 40, 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, all because they were afraid to go into the promised land. So now fast forward 40 years later. And the nation finds themselves ready to cross the Jordan again and enter into this land, the land that the ten spies said they were afraid to enter earlier. So we know that this group of people, probably two million of them, were filled with uncertainty and filled with concern as they're going to face going to a brand new season. And the question is, what does God have to say to them to get them ready to launch them into this new season in a new land Kind of like what he said to us entering a new season in our lives. So flip in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Joshua, the first chapter. And let's look what God had to say to this group of people in this unique time when they're ready to enter into a brand new season of life. What did God say were the most important things they should focus on? Joshua chapter 1, we'll read the first nine verses. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads I have given to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and from the Lebanon, and from this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, before we look at this in any depth, let's remember something that's really important to remember as you're reading Scripture. This particular message was spoken to this particular group of people in their particular situation. It's written to national Israel, standing on the banks of the Jordan, getting ready to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. You say, why is that important? Because everything that's written here is not automatically applicable to our lives. Um, These are not marching orders for us as a people group to say, guess what? Well, let's go into the land and take people's homes and take their lands um, and, and, and settle, conquer everything for ourselves. And you say, well, of course not. But understand, Christians have done that in the past. Have you ever heard of a, of a kind of a theology? It was actually a theology of American that started called Manifest Destiny. That's kind of what Manifest Destiny was. God has laid it all out before us to conquer. Well, it didn't matter if we kicked other people out. Just take it for yourself. That's not what this is. Um, This was something particular for these people at this time. It was unique in history, and God was using it to establish the nation of Israel in the land that he said was always theirs, and so to to remove the other people and to establish them as a nation in this land, the place that they still currently are in today. So this is unique to them. However, some of what is written here is also perfectly applicable to us, because there are principles given here to a group of people getting ready to cross into a brand new season that those principles still apply to us every bit much as it applied to them as they were in that situation. And if we set aside the parts that are uniquely for Israel at that time, and we pull out the principles that can be applied to us, we see there's some things that are really helpful for us as we approach 2024. These are the things we want to think about. And I see in this really three principles that we should pull out of this context. I'm going to say it this way. There's two do's and a don't. If you look at the big picture and you pull out the things, you're not like saying, hey, go do this particular thing, but the principles behind it, there's two do's and a don't. Two things we should do as we get ready to cross over into 2024 and one that he says we should not do. 
So are you ready to see these three principles so that you can say, I want to then apply them to my life as I go into 2024? Ready? So do number one. Be strong and courageous. Do number one. Be strong and courageous. God here is speaking about the kind of attitude that we should have as we enter into this brand new season. I've been thinking a lot about this. What kind of attitude? Because I've been spending time in this text. What kind of attitude do I have going into a brand new season in my life? Three times the Lord repeats. The only thing repeated three times in this, and it's repeated over and over and over, the Lord says about the attitude, be strong and courageous. Understand something here. Why could God say this to them and to us as we face a new season, as they face a new season? How could he say to them, listen, just be strong and courageous. Have a positive, good attitude. Why? Because God knows what the future holds. God knew exactly what battles they were going to face. God knew about Jericho and marching around the walls. God knew all of that. He knew what challenges they would encounter. He knows what challenges we will encounter. He knows all the things that we will face in 2024. He knows all the things we will encounter. He knows about our economy. Guess what? God knows what's going to happen with the stock market. We don't. He does. God knows about, and, and, and I am dreading the next, from now till October, November, all of the political uh, commercials and stuff. Can we just all call in a hole from that stuff? All of that's going to happen for an entire year. It's going to bombard us for the next election. You know, God knows what's going to happen. But get this, we're only 6% of the world's population in America. God knows what's happening with the other 94% too. God knows what's going to happen to the political situation in Ukraine. God knows what's going to happen in every situation on planet Earth. And God's working, somehow works all that, weaves all that stuff together to accomplish his purposes, his great purposes. God knows what's happening. And his encouragement, as we enter into a new season of uncertainty, because we, we don't know what's going to happen. They didn't know what's going to happen. Remember, they were afraid to enter this land 40 years ago. They were uncertain. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're saying, I'm uncertain to enter into 2024. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. What's God say? His encouragement as we enter, as we stand on the Jordan River, as we stand on, on the 31st today, entering into the first tomorrow, is be strong and courageous. Three times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Have a positive attitude. God is saying, be positive about what's ahead. Face the future with certainty that as you walk with God, that nothing is too difficult for Him. Are some things too difficult for you? Yeah. Is anything too difficult for God? No. Nothing will overwhelm you when you are in Christ. So he says to us, on this side of the Jordan, on this side of the, of the calendar flipping, be courageous. Face the future with confidence in Christ. Yes, there are issues in the world, uh, in this world, and Jesus understood that. Jesus didn't say, didn't say 2024 is going to be without problems. He didn't say going into the promise I'm going to do it without problems. But Jesus himself understood it. And listen to the words of Jesus thinking about, um, these are God's words, or God's words to Israel. What, what's Jesus' words to us from the Gospels of a similar situation? He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Troubles. In the world you may have troubles? No. 
In the world, you will have troubles. In 2024, you will have troubles. But take heart. Or be courageous. That's what take heart means. Be courageous. For I, Jesus, have overcome the world. In Christ, nothing can destroy us. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, is an overcomer. When we are in Christ, we are overcomers. So we can face 2024 with courage. We can look at it through this positive lens of Jesus, knowing that he's in control instead of a negative lens. So friends, this is one of the many blessings that we have in Christ, that anybody who doesn't know Christ doesn't have. They've got to face 2024 saying, I don't know what's going to happen. I've got to try to figure it out on my own. I don't have to do that. I can rest assured. I can be confident because God is in control. And I am in God. I am hidden with God, in Christ in God. So we can have a positive outlook because of, because of the fact that God is in control of everything and we can bank on the fact that God is in control. So the first thing, the first do we do is be strong and courageous. Have a positive attitude looking to 2024. Instead of looking at it and going, oh, 2024 is going to stink. We look at 2024 and say, what might God do? God is for me. What amazing things does God have for me? As they walk into 2024, the attitude, a positive attitude walking into the year. That's the first thing. He takes two million people. They're going to cross the promised land. He doesn't say, I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you. He goes, no, no. Number one. I want you to have a positive attitude, a can-do attitude in Christ. Not on your own, but knowing that God through you can do anything. That's the first do. Ready for the second do? Second do is this. Do obey God's ways. Where the last principle, the first principle is about our attitudes, how we'll approach it. This is about our obedience. The Lord told Joshua to tell the people, be careful to do according to the law of Moses. Be careful to do according to all the law of Moses. Again, some of this was particular to them. As Israel, the law of Moses was given particularly to them, and they were to to do that, what God had told them to do. They weren't just to listen to it, they were to do it. But now we, as followers of Christ, live under the new covenant. We are, we call sometimes this way, we are New Testament Christians. And we are not obligated to keep the 6,000 or 600 plus rules of the law of Moses, yet we do need to do what God says. And again, the Lord says this to Joshua, but Jesus says it to us in exactly the same way in the New, in the New Testament. He tells us to do what he says. At the end of the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever, Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says something very similar to what God says to Joshua here. Flipping your Bibles to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're really good at hearing stuff, say, oh, what's that that message? What's that truth? What's that scripture say? But here's what Jesus says. If you're going to listen to it, great. But listening to it's not enough. Look what Jesus says at the end of the greatest sermon ever. Can you imagine if every sermon I preach ended it this way? Now listen, do what I said or you're going to crash and burn. You'd go, you arrogant jerk, and I would be. But this is Jesus. This ain't Mark. This is Jesus. 
the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher in the world. And how does he end it? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, of Jesus's, and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And it fell and great was its fall. 2024 is going to have some floods in it. 2024 is going to have some rain in it. The Lord's telling us, listen, do what I tell you to do and you will stand strong in whatever the year holds. What's Jesus' point here? Don't just listen to what Jesus says. Don't just listen to the word of God. Do what Jesus says. So just think about how simple this is. When Jesus says things like this, love your neighbor as yourself. What comes into your mind? Oh, that's a nice little saying. Or do we say, Lord, how do I do that? Lord, help me to do that. Lord, I want to do that in 2024. I want to learn how to love my neighbor as myself. When when Jesus says in the word, love the widows and the orphans. Love the outcast. We go, oh, that's, that's really nice for those people who work at street missions. Or do we say no? Lord, how do you want me to do that? Lord, how could I do that? Lord, what are you calling me to do in order to do that? See, he says, don't just hear the word, but say, how do I do the word? How about this? Forgive others if you've been forgiven. 2024, some of you are going to face some really hard realities of forgiving somebody that you've been hurt by. Maybe you hurt somebody badly. Jesus It wasn't just a nice saying. Jesus said, forgive others, you've been forgiven. He says, no, contemplate how much you've been forgiven. He gives a a, a parable to explain this about one man who had been been forgiven a huge sum of money, another man forgiven a little sum of money. And his point is this, you're like the man who's been forgiven a huge sum of money. And so when somebody offends you and they, they, they owe you a little bit, he says, listen, think about how great your forgiveness has been. So when Jesus, when the word of God says to you in 2024, um, forgive as you've been forgiven, you have a choice to make. Are you going to just say, oh, that's a cute little saying of Jesus. Put it on a plaque and put it on your wall. Or are you going to say, no, God, help me learn how to do it. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying God will help you to do it because everything God gives us in his word, we can do it by the presence of the spirit within us working through us. So God says you can do it. When, when the scriptures say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you say, Lord, how do I do that? How do I, how do I seek your kingdom first? How do I seek being righteous first above everything else? And you say, if I do that, you'll add everything else to my life. How do I do that? Will you help me do that, Lord? Give me opportunities by your spirit to see how I really can do that in my life. Now understand, I'm not saying this is a salvation issue. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus as Savior. But you know what this is? This is a success in the new year issue. If you want 2024 to be a good year for you, a great year for you, this is a success in the new year issue. 
It's about standing strong when the storms of life hit us and they hit everybody. It's about becoming more like Jesus and less like the world around us. It's about success in Christ. I just have a great idea for us for 2024 as a church. That this year, as we read the Word of God, let's ask God to help us do what it says. And I'd have a suggestion. I'm saying you should maybe do this, but you could do this. Just take the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And in 2024, I'm not saying don't read the rest of the Scriptures, but I'm saying in 2024, what if every day you spend some time in the Sermon on the Mount and you simply said to the Lord, Lord, how can I do this today? How could I do this? How can I learn to turn the other cheek today? And every day you said, Lord, help me to not only hear it, but to do it. I believe we would skyrocket in our spiritual lives. And I believe 2024 would be the greatest year we ever lived because we'd be like Jesus said at the end of a sermon. We'd be applying his word, be doing his word, be standing on his word so when the floods come, and they'll come, we stand strong. He never promises floods won't come. He just says, you will not be knocked over. Who doesn't want to be knocked over? I don't want to be knocked over when the floods come. So how do we do it? Not by just knowing more knowledge. That's one of the fallacies of kind of Western discipleship is just learn more. No, you learn, yes, but then you do. You act upon what you know is biblical truth. So those are the first two do's. Do have a positive attitude. Be strong and courageous as you enter this year. Look at the calendar and say, because I'm in Christ, it's going to be a good year. That's not mind over matter. That's standing on truth. Because I'm in Christ, I can have a positive attitude to what's coming down the, down the road. And I can also have a positive attitude because I'm going to do whatever God's word says I'm supposed to do in 2024. I'm going to do better at trying to do what God asked me to do. Not as a matter of salvation, but in order to make it a great year in Christ. Now let's look at the one don't as we launch in 2024. What's the one thing he said to not do in this text that God gave Joshua? Well, it's also about attitudes that we have towards the new year. Start with an attitude, have a positive attitude. Then he says, do what I say. And then he talks about not having a negative attitude. He says this, do not be afraid or dismayed. Do not be afraid or discouraged as you go into the coming year. It's interesting that two of the three principles that we pull out of this, God gives to to, um, Israel and then to us, are about the attitudes that we choose as we approach a new season or a new circumstance in our lives. Friends, attitude matters. Attitude matters. Attitudes may be one of the most important things that matters. Years ago... Anybody remember a pastor named Pastor Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll? I love Chuck Swindoll. And for at least 20 years, I've had a saying of Chuck Swindoll photocopied out of a book and hung on my office wall about attitude. And this is what it says. I remember saying this to my kids over and over. I photocopied this and gave it to Josh when he was a kid about attitude. I think I gave it to Brett, too. And the reason I did it to them is because it was so important to me. Because guess what? Often my attitude stinks. All the time my attitude is very negative. And the Lord's always challenging me like he's challenged me here to say, listen, that's not going to get you victory. 
This is what Chuck Swindoll say. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we'll embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. So it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Friends, choosing the attitude for this year is a choice that we make. This is what the Lord is telling us here. Our attitude matters and we get to choose what attitude we will embrace as we go into a brand new season. For us, it's going into 2024. Interestingly here, God not only says in the beginning three times, have a positive attitude, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, but he also says, do not have a negative attitude, do not be afraid or discouraged. And I think that's really interesting. Because you would think logically, one would think, that if we have a positive attitude, that would mean we automatically do not have a negative attitude. But do you understand that research says that's not true at all? Research says that positive attitude and negative attitudes are not opposite ends of the same continuum, but they're actually two completely separate tracks. That a person can have a positive view towards some things and can have a ton of negative also in their lives. And some research that was quoted by Dr. Price Pritchard, who's a a brilliant um, leading psychologist, finds that that our attitude, that uh, the the positive and negative, he, he asks this question, thinking about it, he says, let's ask this question, which is more important, to have a more positive thinking or to have less negative thinking? And he's the one who says they're not they're not opposite ends of continuum, they're two separate tracks. Which is more important, having a more positive thinking life or a less negative thinking life? And he says, research overwhelmingly says less negative thinking is far more important in your life than having more positive thinking. He says, yes, keep on thinking positive. That's great. But realize that if you want to change your life, you need to work on developing a life where you have less negative thinking. And he says this, you have a choice. Chuck Swindoll says, you have a choice about your attitude. And, and uh, Dr. Pritchett says, here's a great way to help you have less negative thinking in your life. So I say a great way to look at how we could approach 2024 is how could we eliminate some of our negative thinking. And he has five, he calls them his five C's. Five C's to eliminate negative thinking. And I'll explain them as we go because some of them, he kind of stretches words a little bit. He's a, he's a preacher. He's not really a preacher, but he's a preacher trying to use alliteration. Five C's. He's got to kind of twist the meaning of a few words to make it work. But we'll talk about these five things, five C's, that if we will integrate into 2024, we will have less negative thinking. And the negative thinking is what actually can destroy our ability to succeed with God in a new season. That's why God said to them going into the promised land, listen, be positive, be courageous, 
but don't be negative too. God understood that one doesn't wipe out the other. So be positive. In God, I can do anything, but take away the negative thinking that can destroy God's ability to do things through you. So what are the five C's that can eliminate your, your um, or help eliminate your negative thinking? Number one, what do you need to stop? Complaining. You want to know something? If you say, John, it's cold outside. I hate the cold. The cold is rotten. I can't stand the cold. Wisconsin stinks. Guess what? Does that change anything? I want you to do it for five minutes and look at the thermometer and see if it changed one bit. Complaining doesn't change a cotton-picking thing. Complaining about it doesn't make something better. But what research says is complaining makes you more negative and your negativity will affect how you approach life in a negative way. It'll be negative for you. Being negative is negative for you. So number one, he says, stop complaining. Doesn't do any good to say it's too cold outside. It just is. Number two, stop criticizing. Well, because it's cold and it snowed and the city did not shovel, when I just got done shoveling my walk and the plow came by and, and plowed it in. That happens to all of us, right? The plow came in and buried me in, and that dumb plow driver, you know, I can't believe, he, he knew I was done. And that's why he came when he did. You know, I'm so sick of this city. We criticize what somebody's done. Or like, you know, I showed Suzanne a meme, and it was kind of funny. And I literally said to her, it does not apply at all to Portview Church. It was on a pastor's wives thing. It's five ladies sitting in a booth. It says five Nancys trying to figure out what they're going to complain to the pastor about next. And, uh, and I, said, I said to her, I said, aren't you glad we don't live in that church? But guess what? Criticizing doesn't make the situation better, and it makes you worse. So stop complaining. Stop criticizing. This is where he twists his words a little bit. Stop concerning. What do you mean? Stop. He says, stop refer. He's not referring to not being empathetic, not having concern for people, but rather just stop plain old worrying. You know, Eeyore. Oh dear. Oh my. It's earthquake weather. It's going to be an earthquake today. Winnie the Pooh. If you've not read Winnie the Pooh, you need to read Winnie the Pooh. It's earthquake weather. It's not earthquake weather. He doesn't know there's going to be an earthquake, but it's that thing. It's, it's just plain old worrying about everything. What's going to happen with the election? Is the world going to, ice caps going to melt and we're all going to drown? You know, all this stuff. Here's the deal. Does worrying add a single positive to your life? Does it change a situation? No. Matter of fact, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about what you need. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. He says, stop worrying. And he says this, those who do not know me, the pagans worry about this stuff, but you don't have to because your heavenly Father knows what you need and will give it to you if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So he says, stop worrying. The apostle Paul says this, stop worrying. He says, don't worry, just pray. He said, worry about nothing, pray about everything in Philippians 4. And so here's the deal. The Bible's clear. Stop worrying about all this stuff. We can't change it by worrying. Number four, commiserating. And I'm a master at commiserating. I didn't realize until I started this study, I'm like, oh. you know when you look at stuff and you, you just rather throw it away because you're like, oh. you're like, punch you right in the face. Here's commiserating. Debbie says to me, I don't know, something about, you know, 
I heard that the economy is going to, the interest rates are going to go up again, and, and we're not going to, you know, I can't buy a house. And I go, well, not only that, Debbie, I was watching the news, and I heard this, and I heard that's going to happen, and maybe next month this is going to happen. Commiserating is where you add on to somebody else. They tell you how bad it is, and then you say, oh, yeah, it's, it's that bad. No, it's worse, because let me tell you, commiserating is when we add on to what other people are doing. And the fact is, research shows that it's not only not helpful, according to Pritchett, it's actually destructive to both parties when we commiserate. And friends, we do this stuff all the time. The reason I always tell you this, when I point the finger, it's, when I point the finger, it's three more pointed back. You know, I read this and I'm like, I said to our staff, I said, I stink at these. I said, I'm going to use these. I said, I'm horrible at these things. I do them all the time. I won't say which person rolled their eyes, but one of them rolled their eyes like, yes. Um, the last one, catastrophe. I'm not looking that direction. Catastrophizing. I'm not sure this is a real word if he made it up or not, but catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is blowing everything out of proportion. Oh, we're going to get a blizzard. You know, you know who the best catastrophizers are? The, the weather channel. We're going to get a quarter inch of snow and they've shut down the entire, you know, we never shut down anything in the past. Now we shut down everything and it, because it might happen. Everything's a catastrophe. The world's coming to an end. Everything, I'm going to die. Everything's going to be blown up. We do it all the time. Catastrophizing. Friends, these, these things that we do and all of these are things we can choose to do or not to do. I'm taking this list of five. I haven't done it yet. I'm taking this list of five. It's one of my things on my, next to Chuck Swindoll, hanging on my office, will be the five C's of what not to do. Because guess what? I, in some way, do all of these every day. And a lot of us in here do this. We do these things every day of our lives. And research shows that you could be, say, oh, I'm a positive person. But you, if you're negative in these ways, the negativity will literally cancel out the positivity in your life. So when the Lord's t- talking to his two million people he loves, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. He says, listen, be positive. Be strong and courageous. But listen, don't be negative. Don't, don't do all the negative. And I think Pritchard's come up with a great way of saying, here's some things we can do to eliminate negativity in our life. Because if I just said to you, stop being negative, what good does that do? But you know what you can do? You can put these five C's on, write them on a card and put them in your Bible or put them on your refrigerator every day and go, oh, man, I was, just, I was just catastrophizing with this person. I was commiserating. Man, this person said that, and I just piled on. When you realize it hurts you and it hurts the other person, we can stop doing it. Being negative doesn't help us. So these actions shape our attitudes, or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not sure our attitude shapes and how it works. But the advice from the Lord going into the new thing, the new season is to reduce your negative outlook. And I think these five C's can be helpful to do that. So here's my advice. Ask the Lord to tr- by the Spirit to try to help you notice when you're doing these things. And I believe He will, because He does for me. Say, God, when I start doing these things, will you just, will you just like, make a flag go off that I go, oh my goodness, I just was catastrophizing. Chris, is catastrophizing a real word? You don't think so? I didn't think so either. You made that one up. Um, and so, but you see it happening, you know what it means. And you go, oh, flag. I don't want to do that anymore. And I believe as we practice, practice not doing these, by listening to the Holy Spirit, we'll become less negative. Become less negative, we'll do much better going into a new season. Right? See, friends, 
Here's what I believe as I wrap up. God wants us to go into 2024 seeing all that can be. God wants us to walk into it with this positive view, saying, what are the amazing things you go, but what about, what about, what about, what about? Yeah, yeah, those are real. Does God not know those things? He knows them. He tells us walking into a new season, listen, be positive. See the, see the positive. Just think about this. What might happen in 2024? What amazing things, what miracles might happen in 2024? Who's going to get healed in 2024? What person that you believe is impossible for them to come to Christ is going to come to Christ in 2024? I don't know yet. We don't know yet. God knows. God knows what he's going to do. What what ministry is God going to call you into in 2024? You're going to go, I never dreamed of doing that. And I started doing that. Man, I, I just love it. And my life is full because of it. What things is God going to call us into in 2024? What amazing things is God going to do at and through Portview Church in 2024? God's plan, you see, you know this? God's plan is to do great things through Portview Church. God's plan is to change the city through Portview's church. That's his plan. What's God got in store? God wants us to face the new year going, like, what does God have next? And not saying, oh, dear, oh, my. Tried that before, didn't work. That's not, that won't get you anywhere. Won't get you anywhere in your marriage. Won't get you anywhere with your relationship with your kids. God has great things in store for us in 2024. What relationships are going to be reconciled that it seemed impossible? They got, re- they got reconciled in 2024. God is in the miracle business, and he wants us to look at the new year that way. God's outlook on 2024 is positive, and he wants our outlook on 2024 to be positive. Again, doesn't mean there won't be any troubles, but positive in this sense. sense, Let the storms come. If you're in Christ, you will stand. If you will do what he says, not just here, not just James says you're an effectual hearer, no, but a doer of the word. If you will do what he says and have the right attitude, we'll stand through whatever storms come. Amen? Well, we are going to end today and this year and launch into 2024 by taking communion together. So you should have got your communion cups when you came in. If you don't have one, raise your hand. The ushers will get you a communion cup. What I want for us today, the reason we're ending this way, is I want us to open up our hearts, what God has in store for us. And I want us to put our focus on Him instead of the stuff around us. Here's the deal. This is what communion does. Communion refocuses us on the truth. Communion refocuses us on what is really true. That Jesus Christ has come He's crucified, he died, was buried, and been resurrected, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he is available to us right now, and if he could conquer death, he can conquer anything. That's what communion reminds us of, and we're going to end the year remembering what's true. We're going to launch in the new year, standing on that foundation of what is true. So take your communion, take off the top little section, and grab the bread. We're going to do communion, then I'm going to give an opportunity for you just to sit with the Lord as long as you want.
Take the bread. Scripture tells us that Jesus took the bread and he said he broke it. He passed to the disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What do, we do, what do we want to remember today as we hold this? Hold it, feel it in your hand. You want to remember, we want to remember that God gave himself for mankind. And Jesus, when he came to earth, he preached, my kingdom has come. The Lord's Prayer, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a reminder of the kingdom and the presence and the reality of God. This is a reminder of you're never alone. Whatever 2024 holds, you will not be alone as you walk with Jesus. This is the promise of that. The Lord is promising you right now that you will never be alone. Holding this wafer says the presence of the Lord is always with us. So Father, we don't know what 2024 holds. We know that you do know. And we know this, we can trust in you. Because Lord, we, we are never alone when we are in Christ. And so Lord Jesus, as we walk into a brand new year, help us to realize again, to remember again, that you are with us always, even till the end of the age. And that, Lord, if we will walk with you and we'll listen to you and we'll obey you, we can stand firm because you are holding us. You are wrapped around us. And this wafer reminds us of that, your, your presence in our lives. But you are here now. And you'll be here tomorrow. And you'll be here with us the day after and the day after and the day after. Lord, knowing that, we can be completely positive. We have nothing to fear walking into 2024. Nothing to fear at all. And so, Lord, now we want to welcome you again and again into our lives and say, Lord, as an act of our will, we say, yes, Lord, I want to walk with you. Yes, Lord, I want your presence to be full in my life. So take the bread partake together welcoming the Lord again and again saying we want to walk with you we want to stand with you we want to be with you I'll open up the top of that cup we have juice in there that is on purpose supposed to look like blood Reminds us of Christ Jesus pouring out his blood for us in all of its fullness. There's nothing he would not do to redeem mankind. Reminds us of that, they, that he, was, he was crucified, died, and was buried, and he rose again. That, the, that death could not hold him. That, that there's the strength of Jesus is with his followers. blood helps us remember the power of God. It reminds us of the superiority of Jesus over every circumstance, even over death. And friends, there's nothing that could happen in 2024 that God cannot redeem. There's nothing he cannot overcome. 
There's nothing he cannot conquer because he's all powerful. And in a moment, we're going to take the cup. We're going to drink and we're going to say, Lord, I'm inviting your power and your presence again to flow into me and through me, to touch my body, to heal, heal our bodies, heal our minds, heal our souls by your power and your strength. To help us to see by your power and the strength the good things you have in store for us as we walk with you. So Lord Jesus, thank you that you spilt your blood completely for us. You gave completely of yourself. And in your strength and your power, you rose from the dead. And Lord, now we in you are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And because of that, We have complete confidence and faith in you, and we trust in you, Lord. And Lord, as we offer things to you, needs and concerns, we know this, you always hear, and you're always able, and you are active in ministering to our needs. Sometimes not the way we understand, but you always, you never say no, in the sense of you always listen and respond. And so, Lord, today we invite your, your strength and your power into our lives. That we would not live by our own strength, we'd live by your strength. We'd not live by our own wisdom, we'd live by your wisdom. We'd not even live by our own attitude, we'd live by your attitude. So let's take partake of the cup this morning. Lord, thank you so much that you give us your presence every day, but especially today at the end of 2023 and the beginning of 2024, you remind us of your continual presence and that we are not going to launch into anything without you as long as we walk with you. Lord, I pray that these words that were spoken thousands of years ago to Joshua and then to the people. That the truths from that would really launch us in a beautiful way into 2024 with with eyes of expectation, with hearts that are willing to obey, putting the negativity behind us. So that, Lord, whatever you bring our way, we see it through the lens of your goodness and your strength and your ability and your miraculousness. So, Lord, what a gift that is. Thank you for your good gifts. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I encourage you, as we wrap up today, at the end of one year, the beginning of a new, spend some time just sitting with the Lord, contemplating what He has for you, allowing Him to speak to you about some of the things we talked about or whatever else He would have. Music will continue to play. Our prayer team will be available to pray with you if there's needs that you have. Let's stand together. We pray this great blessing over you of the last day of the year. May Lord bless and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God bless you, church. When you feel dismissed, you can quit.
quietly make your way out into the cafe, go drink coffee and have fun with your friends here. It's a great family. But if the Lord's dealing with you, hang out, spend some time. There are people here to pray with you.